0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, happy Friday. Welcome to another edition of Sideline Junkies. It's me, it's me, the big guy KG. And I'm sitting in a house full of people. You know, I'm home, you know, of course, pandemic. We we, we, we doing our thing, you know, remotely. Um, sitting here, I'm looking at my middle daughter and, and she's giving me hand signals behind the glass, like, I know what she's talking about. I guess she's the executive producer tonight. Everyone give it up for one talented, the lovely. Of course, she's lovely and she's talented because she's mine, Renee. Yay for Renee. And of course, you can hear Della B in the background. You know, that's my executive producer. That's what we pay her for. Keep doing her thing. (laughs) <laughs> she she she's going off right now she didn't like that intro and then we got our producer uh showrunner for the night akasha so hello uh, all right i got work to do <laughs> all right now i got all the children in um let's start this off right uh first and foremost congratulations are in order for doug williams who has taken a promotion with the washington football team uh, he is now the senior advisor to team president, which is Jason Wright. Uh, they moved him over to the business side. Um, I was kind of shocked at this. Uh, I'm not fully. I, 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 my knee jerk reaction was, is this a real position? That was my knee jerk reaction. But then I started thinking, I said, well, you know, he's employed by the team. You know, you you go where they tell you to go. I mean, it's putting food on the table is good. So I'm not sure what that entails. uh, But I'm going to miss him. I'm going to miss him. Me, big guy KG, is going to miss him on the football side. Now that he's on the business side. Because it's a lot of those gems that we have, that we mined out of the draft, that he had a hand in – procuring and bringing here because he said, Hey, this guy right here, this is the guy that we're going to need. So, you know, and that was a Matt Ionitis. I think he had a hand in also drafting Montez sweat. He had these hands and in, in, in these, these, uh, drafts. So, but senior advisor to Jason, uh, uh, right so hey congratulations are in order to dougie fresh um long as he stays with the team i'm happy because I, I i just honestly believe that he, he he should be with this team in some sort of capacity until he decides to hang it up that's just my opinion all right i'm a i'm a doug williams fan i was a doug williams fan when he was playing here uh, when he went to Navy, when he went to Grambling, uh, when he was with Tampa Bay, anywhere he went, I've always been a fan of his. So now jump into the plate of this him game after we went off air Wednesday. Now, Wednesday was the last live show. <clears throat> we did wind up Wednesday <clears throat> and I read an article. Uh, and Brett Favre made headlines uh, about some a comment that he made regarding Deshaun Watson and his wanting to be traded uh, from Houston to anywhere else. And Brett Favre, this is what he said verbatim. You get paid a ton of money to do a certain job and just do it and let the chips fall where they may. I think we make... Way I think we make too much money to voice an opinion. But I'm I'm not saying he's wrong. Again, I think it's different day. It's a different day and time. And it'll be interesting to see how the organization handles it. Now that's what Brett Favre had to say on that uh situation. And you know, Des Bryant chimed in. And he said, the fact that he said, I think we make too much money to voice an opinion is why I'm no longer a Brett Favre fan. Uh, Marcellus Wiley broke down why he agreed with him, with Brett Favre. Um, You know, it was a lot of people chiming in. And I thought about it. I said, you know, I get what I get what Brett Favre is saying. Do I agree with Nah? not the way he put it, not the way he put it. And everybody's comparing it to shut up and dribble, you know, basically telling Deshaun Watson, you know, just shut up and go play ball, man. Uh, I I don't I don't want to compare it to that because shut up and dribble was the most asinine comment that I've heard a reporter say. And, you know, that, that was. The backlash that came from that was deservedly so. Uh, now, here with Brett Favre, now I'm a Brett Favre fan. Am I going to defend him here? No, I'm not. It was a poor choice of words. And, you know, everybody say, well, it's a unwritten rule in the NFL, in sports period. Never comment on another player's coins. And that's basically what Brett Favre did. He commented on another brother's coins. And a lot of people are saying, you know, how racist of him. You know, ain't this the same dude, you know, he's talking about professionalism. Ain't this the same dude that was caught in Mississippi, still in funds and things like that. It shouldn't have been said. When when the topic of Deshaun Watson coming up about requesting a trade, and I understand wholeheartedly. We talked about it here, why Deshaun Sean Watson wants to trade out of Houston. Because I want to trade, I would want to trade out of Houston. You took my biggest weapon and you traded him. D hop was their biggest and best weapon. You traded him. Now that coach is gone. He is no longer with the team. Get that. We have a dismal season. We we're in a coaching search and you say, you know, you ask me, do I have thoughts on a candidate to replace Bill O'Brien as head coach? He gives his list about who he wants. He wants Eric B Interviewed. He wants a new GM. He wants these things. They ignore him, go the way that they want, and then they still think he's gonna be happy. Deshaun Watson wants out. He he put in his proverbial two-week notice when he said, I won't be back. Can't blame him. Now, for Brett Favre to make a comment on that, ah, wrong choice of words. You can't tell that man, you know, anything to do because didn't Brett Favre forced his way out of Green Bay. When he came out of retirement, Green Bay owned his rights. So when he came out, he retired, came back and Green Bay wasn't having it. So he forced his way out of Green Bay and that's how we wound up with the Jets for that one season. And then the two seasons with, uh, he wound up being a free agent, two seasons with Minnesota. But, uh, didn't he force his way out and he was, pretty much could have been under contract, but yeah. Poor choice of words. um, Poor taste to actually comment on another man's pockets. So can't agree with you, Brett Favre, on this one. Not at all. Not even a little bit. And I'm a Brett Favre fan. I've loved Brett Favre since the first time I've seen him in a Packer uniform. Uh, one of my favorite players, you know, Got away with playing sandlot football, but also knowing the nuances of the game. So I will say that about Brett Favre, but I don't agree with what he said. And I understand where the controversy comes from. I don't agree with what he said about Deshaun Watson, not one bit. Now, sticking with football, but staying right here in D.C., this is something new that just came out. Everybody's talking about uh, who Washington pick as far as their next starting quarterback. Now, I did a, what was that, Wednesday night we talked about choice between Justin Fields in the draft, uh, trading for Derek Carr, or trading for Deshaun Watson. Now, <laughs> Houston has come out and the price tag for Deshaun Watson, and I said it at the beginning. I said at the beginning of all this talk how high the price tag was. They want Two ones, two twos, and then two defensive starters. Absolutely, positively, bullshit. I will say that. You're asking for two number ones, two number twos, and then two defensive starters. Now, with Washington, people are saying, well, I'll give up Chase Young just to get uh Deshaun Watson. I'll give up Chase Young and Matt Ioannidis. No, you don't see. This is my thinking. Now, have I ever been an NFL GM? No, I have not. Dream to be one day NFL, NBA. I don't care. I dream of being a a GM one day, period. I love that aspect of the game. So I'm going to say this. I'm not going to disrupt the core of my team to get a, arguably, a lot of people say he's not top five. He's at best top 10. I don't care. He's a good quarterback. I'm not going to disrupt the core of my team to get Deshaun Watson. And the core of my team is my defensive front seven. That means I'm not giving up Matt Ionice. I'm not giving up uh, Chase Young. I'm not giving up Deron Payne, Montez Sweat, Jonathan Allen. I'm not giving up Tim Settle. I'm not giving up Cameron Curl. I'll give you Landon Collins. But how much how much trade value does Landon Collins really have coming off an Achilles in injury? So I don't I don't I don't think it's any trade value there. Who would I give up as a defensive starter that's not gonna hinder me here in Washington to get Deshaun Watson? What two players can I give up as defensive starters? I don't have any. I don't have any. And my whole thinking after I heard that, I said, well, that price is too steep, and maybe just maybe the reason why they made that price steep is so they can say that they don't have any trade partners and they have to keep Deshaun Watson and they can't get rid of. Oh, uh, well we couldn't find a suitable trade partner. Um we it, it wouldn't work, it can't happen. Uh but your price tag is too high. That's the problem. So, you know, I I heard people on the radio today and yesterday, you know, give up Matt Ioannidis and Chase Young. But Chase Young is a disruptive force. This kid was a rookie and was drawing double teams. And I'm talking early in the year. He was a rookie playing like a vet. Now in the playoffs, everybody got on him and everything. But they kind of stayed away from him. everything that they ran. That Tampa Bay ran, they kind of ran away from so you So he couldn't get there like he wanted to. And everything was kind of like playing uh, Pittsburgh. Everything was kind of quick pace. And it came out fast. So it wasn't really too much of Brady. Did sit back in the pocket a couple times against Washington. Get that he couldn't get to him. But I'm not going to disrupt that defense. Now we got something special on defense. I don't want to disrupt that to get the offense straight. Some people say, "Well, just go back to Alex Smith and Tyler uh, Taylor Heineke, just to play 16 games, and then we'll get a, a quarterback in the draft the following year because we had a good year." But I mean, we're seven, we were seven and nine. We won a the NFC least. It wasn't a good division. We 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 won a poor division, and I, I mean, you take and put stock in that how you want, but I'm not going to say, well, you know, we had to, you know, stick my chest out, and beat my chest. Yeah, we division champs. I can't do that. We were 79. We were below 500. We're a team that needs to improve, but I don't want to go backwards just to go forward. Because that going forward might not happen for another two to three years. when in actuality, if we cannot disturb our defense, but we get a Deshaun Watson, we get a Derek Carr. And now I'm hearing Carson Wentz's name. I don't want Carson Wentz because I said it years ago, Carson Wentz is not really that damn good. But we 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 get these players. And 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 you know, maybe we can go from seven to nine. To ten and six, maybe eleven and five. One of those, one of those quarterbacks, without disrupting the defense. Maybe we can go to eleven and five and still win a division back to back. Because that's one thing that doesn't happen in the NFC East, and that's division winners from the previous year winning the next year. It's always a different division winner every year. So everybody else is out getting better. You got Dak coming back off of injury, and he may be even stronger coming back next year, that's if Dallas resigns him. He's also on the table if Dallas doesn't resign him. Uh, Philly with a new coaching staff, they're going to be out to prove that they're, 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 they're for real, and last year was a fluke. Uh, the Giants were coming into their own middle, late part of the season, even the end of the season. The Giants were coming into their own, and I'm I, that's the team I'm afraid of next year because Daniel Jones, for all the crap that I give him, about his college days and coming into this league for all the stuff that I give him. Daniel Jones had that offense moving. So I'm I'm afraid of the Giants right now. So, and that's also two losses and close games that we should have won, so. But looking at Washington, I don't wanna sacrifice a top 10 defense just to get maybe a top 15 offense. Let's just say that. Uh, and everybody's talking about we need a second receiver to compliment Terry. You have the second receiver on your team. You got Terry as the one. You still got Kelvin Harmon coming back next year. But you also have Cam Sims who emerged last year as a viable target. And his yak yards. Yards after catch last year was like that. If he caught a pass and he had open field, he was turning it up. He could turn a 15 yard gain sometimes to a 30 35 yard gain, and that's what we need. Oh, you want to shut Terry down? Okay, you got Cam, then you got Kelvin Harmon coming back, you got Antonio Gandy Golden, right? And Steven Sims, too. I mean, I don't want him on punt returns and kick returns, but I'll take him as a receiver, he's a burner. Then also you got Logan Thomas. So, you know, you got, I mean, they're, they're not weapons of mass destruction, but they're weapons. And if putting the right hands, man, the things that this offense can do, then you got a running back and Antonio Gibson coming out of the backfield that can catch out of the backfield and can run in between the tackles. But then also you got JD McKissick. And if they bring back Peyton Bar- Barber, you got the power. You got the speed. Now, we need pieces on the offensive line so we can gel that offensive line together because it's kind of sort of patchwork, but it's there. You're just missing the the, the the captain of the offense, the captain of the ship. You know, of course, resign, sheriff, get everything together, but you're missing the captain of the ship, and that's the quarterback. Can Heineke do it? Yeah, he's capable of doing it. Do I trust him to do it? Not at this present point. I need him to sit. If he's going to be the starter, he can't be the starter next year. I need him to sit back behind a veteran quarterback that's going to be gone in a year and then let him go from there. I can't trust him day one starter immediately because he only gave me a sample size last year. It's not enough of a sample size to say, oh, yeah, let me bring him back as a starter. I can't in good conscience say that. Alex Smith could be the starter, but how long is Alex's body going to hold up? Every time he got sacked last year, I held my breath. I was at the game when he broke his leg. I saw it firsthand. I didn't talk, cheer, nothing for the rest of the game because I was messed up in the head that I seen that. I don't want to see that again. And that's my question. How long, everybody say, well, we'll go with Alex. How long can his body hold up? He's not a young man. Now, he got the heart of a lion, eye of the tiger. But how long is his body going to hold up? So we got to make a move. Justin Fields, uh, uh, what's the boy out of Alabama? Uh, I can't think of his name. Quarterback out of Alabama. They're saying that they're on the table right now. Move up. Go get them. Okay. Let's let's see what we can do. But if we can get a rookie quarterback, you still got to groom him. And then you also have the option of bringing Kyle Allen back. So you got options at quarterback. You don't have to make a hasty trade like right now, but you got options. You can go with one of the three you have on the roster as your starter. You can go with trading for Derek Carr. And I'm not sure what the price tag is for Derek Carr, but I'm sure it's less than for Deshaun Watson. And I want Deshaun Watson for uh <laughs> for selfish reasons. And thank you, Dave came, Mac Jones. Mac Jones, I couldn't remember his name. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So, I want Deshaun Watson for selfish reasons. I wanted him out of Clemson. I thought he was one of the best quarterbacks coming out of that draft. But I'm, I'm just, I'm saying, you, you don't have to make a knee-jerk reaction. There's op- options out there. So, switching gears a little bit, jump over to the Super Bowl 55 matchup. Man, um, Tampa Bay versus Kansas City. And a lot of people, a lot of people I've heard are picking Tampa Bay to win this, but they don't have Tampa Bay covering the spread. Which is absolutely hilarious to me because it's a Super Bowl. Uh the over-under is 56 and a half. Kansas City three-point favorites. Uh, I think it was at three and a half yesterday, but it's it, it's uh hmm, it's three points. I'm not gonna give a prediction here, but I'm looking at this, and I you know, everybody's billing this is the GOAT versus the future GOAT, you know. Patrick Mahomes has made the uh the, the 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 Super Bowl two out of the three years he's been a starter. He has weapons such as Tyreek Hill. <laughs> and and you know, Travis Kelsey. And in my opinion, Travis Kelsey has to be, has to be the one, uh, I'm not gonna say the best. But he damn near close to it. I think he has to be a top three. Uh top three tight end in this league. Um Clyde Edwards Hilaire. I love that guy. I love the way he runs him. And of course, Darrell Williams. They still got Le'Veon Bell, who they don't even play very often. Um Sammy Watkins is a burner. Ricky Seals Jones is dangerous over the middle. You know it's things that you look at this team and you're like okay they look pretty damn good and even on the defense they look good you know it's no you look over their defense and it's not many names that stand out i mean bashar Breland stands out to me because he played here in washington i will say that that's why he stands out to me it's not his play that stands out it's just the name that stands out but their defense is something pretty damn good and I, I i enjoy watching them now on the other side you got tampa brady and i do mean tampa brady michael Irvin said uh something about gronk earlier today on 106.7 the fan he said uh that's not gronk that's gr- 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 gr-. you ain't got the onk yet and i think this might be that coming out party for gronk it's the super bowl you know some of the greatest players of all time shine the brightest on a super bowl. Sometimes players that are trash and never have another great game shine brightest on the big stage which is the super bowl. Ie Timmy Smith super bowl record what 236 yards rushing. We never heard nothing else about him after that. Nothing. Uh well, nothing good I could say. Uh but for Tampa Bay they got Leonard Fournette, who I, I told everybody, I said, Leonard Fournette has not – he ain't got his C-legs yet. They said, like, oh, man, why they signed Fournette? But the last month of the season, all through the playoffs, he started churning away, and then all of a sudden he started busting defenses open. Uh, you got Ronald Jones. Tampa Bay has Shady McCoy, who they don't play. Of course you got Antonio Brown, I'll be – press to see if he plays i think you probably have to take his heart out for him not to play uh, sunday you got mike evans chris godwin scotty miller scotty miller i i all i can say about scotty miller put him in the slot let him go in that nickel if you got one high safety let him go just let him burn him and it's, it's an automatic touchdown all you got to do is get the ball out there I, I like Scotty Miller. I had him in uh fantasy for a few weeks. Those few weeks he actually went off. Uh, of course you got Grunt, but you also have Cameron Brake. And Cameron Brake, let me pull up his stats this year. He was kind of quiet this year. Uh because um it was you know, before Grunt got there, it was him and OJ Howard. And Cameron brake started one game. He only had 28 receptions and 282 yards, two touchdowns. Awfully quiet this year. But now and I always thought that uh OJ Howard was the better of the two. But OJ Howard, you know, he's hurt. And that's why I actually wanted Washington to sign. But you got Cameron Break, you got Gronk. Then you go to the defense, William Goldston. And Dominican Sue V to V. You know, this is names on these on his defense that stand out. Shaquille Barrett Levante David JPP. Then you go to the secondary. Um, Sean Murphy Bunny ball hawk Antoine Winfield Jr. Ball hawk. Ah man, the matchups on paper. This game is going to be close. Now I'm trying to think of the most points, combined points scored in the Super Bowl, and it may be 66. Uh, well, Stat Boy's on, on on Call of Duty. This is one of the things about working at home. Stat Boy don't want to work, but uh, <laughs> so I got to pull up my own stats. Um. Uh, let me see most combined points scored in a super bowl and i think this game will uh 75 75 points is the most points scored in a super bowl um and that was super bowl what's that 29 San Francisco 49ers versus San Diego Chargers battle of california uh 49 26 49ers I think this game I think this will be a record breaking game. I think this game will, will break it. Um next was uh Eagles versus Patriots 41 33. Hey, I think this will break it. This will break it. Um Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think this will break seventy-five. This will definitely break seventy-five points for the Super Bowl. So, um, switching gears again, downshift. Ah, uh-uh. NBA All-Star Weekend. LeBron says, you know, he doesn't understand why the NBA is doing a NBA All-Star Weekend. uh, I, well, he said the game. He said he'll be there physically, but mentally, he won't. And it's kind—it's of, crazy. Because you think about last year was the last all-star game where we actually had an all-star game. We had people, we had uh the dunk contest, three-point shootout, we had all of that, everything. And one thing that makes the dunk contest absolutely watchable is the dunk, you know, the, the crowd reactions. If it ain't about the crowd reactions, <laughs> It's nothing really there, you know. You, you, I, I, I want to hear Kenny Smith yell over a crowd going home after a vicious fifty dunk. Let's go home! Let's go home! That's all. I, that's what I live for every year. That's what I live for. It's Kenny Smith, and, and and the judges, you know. Hopefully, they don't bring D. Wade back. <laughs> D. Wade can do uh something else, but D. Wade can't do. He can't judge no more dunk contests after that nine. But uh. The question is, should there be an a, a NBA All Star Weekend? And I, 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 I sat here and I pondered it for the last couple of hours. And I don't, I don't, I can't say that it should be. I mean, I don't think you can have the full weekend. I think you would have to do what the NFL did virtually with the Pro Bowl. You'll have to do something along the lines of something virtually to you know, do a, a a three point shootout. Um, and it's possible. Hell, I take it old school. I pull out the live 99 I challenge anybody and they mama in a three point shootout. Cause long as I got Reggie Miller and once I get in a rhythm, nobody's beating me. I'm telling you that now, not a soul is going to beat me in a three point shootout on live 99. I put money on it. I stand on it. I guarantee it. I'm just going to say that, you know, just to, Beat my chest a little bit, but no, no, I don't. I don't think there should be a a uh, all-star weekend, per se, because the crowd can't be there. And that's one of the things where, you know, all the celebrities come out and it's in Atlanta. This would be a great economic boost for Atlanta because, you know, you got hotel revenue, you got restaurant revenue. You got people just flooding the city because it's All-Star Weekend. So you got people coming into town on Thursday. You got Rookie Showcase on um, Friday. You know, all the rookie stuff, Celebrity Game, all that's on Friday. Then Saturday, you got the Skills Competition, uh, Dunk Contest, three-point shootout. Um, And Ray Allen wouldn't beat me, Junie, not at all. I was killing every, because Ray Allen was only rated like a 96 on that. Reggie Miller was a 97. I'll take Ray, I'll take Ray Allen down on live 99. Matter of fact, I still got it. It's in the room. All we got to do is put in the PlayStation three and it's on. I'll show you how good I am in that. All I got to do is catch a rhythm. (laughs) But uh, then, you know, Saturday, you got all the festivities. Sunday's the game. You know, you, and especially when they did it in Chicago year before last, I loved it when they did it in Chicago. Of course, I just didn't like that Zach Levine didn't participate in the dunk contest. You're supposed to represent the city, dog. Because no matter what, you were going to be dunk champion. So, you know, it's your city. But that's another podcast for another time. But LeBron asked, should there be an all star weekend? I think there should. I mean, I think there should be some semblance of a weekend. Maybe not the full weekend, but some semblance, because this is, might be the new norm, you know, some semblance of normal might be right now, you know, where we have to social distance for, you know, the rest of the days until we can get this virus under control, you know, for safe, safety and health reasons, you know, but we 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 still got to have some sort of semblance of normalcy but if the players don't feel comfortable by all means please don't play not at all you know I, I i would we we could probably even if we can get a legends game going that would be great too you know you got the top 12 all-star vote getters and i heard bradley bill is a uh, one of the top vote getters in the east i think he's the top guard in the east matter of fact but we get all the all we get the the top teams and do it, make it a doubleheader. Get a couple of legends out there that can steal ball. Uh, I would love to see Ross Strickland going out there because I know Ross Strickland can steal ball. He is, he's still in shape. I think Ross Strickland is one of the best finishers as far as point guards go. I think he's one of the best finishers of all time because he found a way to get to the lane. If he can get the ball out of his hands, then he can kiss it off the glass and he can get it. And if you foul him, he's going to the line, he's going to hit. I, I love watching Ross Strickland play here in Washington. I've al- I'll always say that. I love watching them play. Um, Just one of my favorite point guards. But I would love to see the old timers get out there. They're still able to play. A, you know, you can do it in halves. Do two halves. Don't burn them old timers out and see if they can beat. And then you do a second game, same thing. So you got 24 all-stars. And they're going against the old timers. You know, and just go. Like, dare I say it, I think Magic can get out there and at least give you 20. He can give you 20 minutes. He's going to give you about 20 assists, too. Because, you know, I think Magic's still balling. Magic almost 60. And I think, I don't think it's one player in in, in this league that's going to stop him. At this age, coming down the lane, because you don't know where the ball going. So he's gonna freeze you with that. And he just drop it off, and all of a sudden it's an easy lay-in. And then he start when when magic get going, he start talking shit. It's over. Them young boys ain't doing nothing with them. They ain't doing nothing with them legends. If magic on the team, not doing nothing at all. But I just <laughs> I would love for something like that to happen. That would be absolutely awesome. But other than that all-star weekend the whole weekend is not necessary if anything take the time off uh you can do a virtual game on 2k21 um with all the all-star players talk to ronnie 2k set it up get it going and there it is and you know we sit down and we watch that 12 minute quarters uh and we watch that so um I put in here larry legend love now i talk about larry bird all the time and i've argued with people uh about larry bird and one thing i can say about larry joe bird in my opinion and i'm not an expert i'm just me but in my opinion larry bird is the greatest small forward of all time now, I say that. People always talk. Well, how are you going to overlook LeBron? How, I said, wait, wait, wait. I'm not talking. Take championships out of it because everybody wants to diminish LeBron because he got six finals losses, Where well, Jerry West got eight. So are you going to stop calling him the logo? Are you going to stop calling him Mr. Clutch? No, you're not. So leave LeBron alone. He's still King James. Leave him alone. I hate when people bring up finals losses. Like some of the greatest legends don't have uh bad finals records but they're still legends they're still the goats but larry bird nine year stretch this is 79 80 boston won 61 games he finished fourth in mvp 80 81 which was uh i think that was a championship season for him 62 wins second in mvp voting 81 82 63 wins, second in MVP voting. 82, 83, 56 wins, second in MVP voting. Uh, 84, 83, 84, 62 wins, MVP. 84, 85, 63 wins, MVP. 85, 86, 67 wins, MVP. Now that 85, 86 team, arguably, arguably. The greatest team of all time. Now, I always say my 72 and 10, 96 Bulls is the greatest team of all time because I'm a Bulls fan. But only other team that I'll put on that mantle that can actually hold a candle to that 96 team is the 86 Celtics. And I think the 86 Celtics in a seven-game series, that game, that that series is going to go seven against the 96 Bulls. No doubt in my mind it's going seven. 86-87, 59 wins, second in the MVP voting. 87-88, 57 wins, second in the MVP voting. Not to mention, and comparing Larry Bird to LeBron James, Larry Bird's number in, what was it, um, year 30, 31? I think it was 31, 31, 32, something like that. It was after 30. Larry Bird's numbers were better than LeBron's numbers at the same time. And now, of course, we know Bird had to, he was, you know, he's, he, he's a working man. No, Ben, I will not stop it. No, Midnight Ride, I will not stop it. It's true. Everything I said was true. But Bird, when Bird hurt his back, it shortened his career. If it wasn't for him hurting his back, who's to say he wouldn't have still been able to carry those Celtic teams? It was him and Reggie Lewis. And i I did it. Last summer, I did a uh, Lynn Bias tribute show, and I said, what if? I said, what if everything would have happened the way it did after the '86 draft, but Lynn Bias actually lived? So you still get uh, Reggie Lewis. So you got Reggie Lewis and Lynn Bias to play side by side, but you got them spelling McHale and Bird, so they got this character scorn. Boston wouldn't have never went into that 90s decline. Because if you look at it, Boston won a championship in every decade. They won championships in the 50s, the 60s, the 70s, the 80s. Lynn Bias supposed to give them that championship in the 90s. Him and Reggie Lewis, they were supposed to be your one-two punch in the 90s. That was supposed to be their one-two punch in the 90s. Then, of course, the big three would have been in 08. But it wouldn't have been, I don't think they would have ever got Paul Pierce. Or if they did get Paul Pierce, think about it. Paul Pierce, Len Reggie Lewis would have all played together. Because what Pierce came in in 98, it's only 12 years in the league. All those guys would have played together. And the dynasty would have been reborn. And it would have been a dominant dynasty continuing. Then you go into the 2000s. You wind up somehow, some way finagling and getting still getting Ray Allen, still getting Garnett. And then that's the continuous of the legacy. And then you have the current Celtics as a continue. It's just so much to go with. It's like so much of a what if, and it's like a fucking rabbit hole. And I jump down it every time because it's fascinating to me, even as a Bulls fan of what if, just what if, what if this wouldn't have happened? What if Lynn Bias wouldn't have died? What if Reggie Lewis wouldn't have died? There would be no decline. Bird could have extended his career. And he retired. His retirement ceremony was 28 years ago today. It wouldn't have happened because he would have been able to play a little bit longer because the, 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 the amount of stress that was on his back would have been eased by the two young bulls. They still lose the magic. I think they would. I think they still. But you know what? I looked that up, and you talk if you talk, and I'm talking to the Midnight Rider who's in the live chat here. Now you talk about losing the magic in uh, '87. I don't know because, I, I, in my opinion, a rookie Len Bias would have came on, and I think he would have he he would have took some of that scoring load. That's what they had. They had a power outage in scoring in '87. In the playoffs against the uh, against the Lakers, but I think wholeheartedly, they I think he would have put them over the top, and then you get Reggie Lewis the next year, and you know Reggie Lewis could score. You know you you got it. That's a basic Merlin connection, which I always say about Red Arbat. Red has a connection to the area, and we got the Midnight Rider calling in. The Midnight Rider live
1: in person. this until you start talking about them beating the Lakers, man. Well, I, 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 I look, I'm going to tell you like I told my wife earlier today. I like to start right. little fives and then I leave, you know? I start fives and I no, go. No. I get it. I get it because I'm sitting there and I'm like, I'm biting my lip. I'm trying not to like, I'm trying to text you without getting too involved. Oh. I, I've had this argument too many times with my boy. If you give bias, you never get lost. That's A.
0: Okay, that's true,
1: but I'm saying if everything happened the exact same way. But if you if all... you end up in a, because I, and don't get me wrong, I mean, I totally agree with you about Larry Legend. Um, I try not to say around my best friend because he's a Celtics fan, but Larry Bird is probably one of the best threes all time. I don't, you won't get too much of an argument out of me for that. You know what I'm saying? I think he's something like twenty six point nine ten. And, and maybe like six assists or something crazy like that. So Larry gets it done. And I think my favorite Larry memory, I don't know if you watched The Knuckleheads um, with Qu- Quentin Richardson and um Darius Miles, but they interviewed Sean Kemp. And like at the beginning of every interview, they tell you like, who's the first guy to bust your ass? So Sean Kemp tells the story of his first game was against Larry Bird. Sean Kipp is from the same area, but he's from Indiana. So he broke all of Bird's records. So he tells them the story of his first game against Bird. Bird said, Hey, aren't you the guy that broke all my records? And he was like, yeah. So Larry proceeds to give give him 40 points. I think gave him 40, 10 and 10 that night. But the bad part about it was Larry told him where he was shooting from and when he was going to do it. And Sean was like, I just couldn't stop it. Like, I think that's the part of the legend of Larry Bird that nobody, like, is a difference. Like, LeBron is more athletic. He's a fast dude. He can do his thing. But Larry used to tell guys, like, look, when I come down the court, I'm going to go left and blah, blah, blah. And, I mean, we about the same age. So I know you remember the infamous game in the Omni where, like, Larry's cooking the Hawks. Mm -hmm. And the Hawks' bench is going crazy. Every time Larry shoots it and they get the bench gets, I guess, is the whatever that little fine is for reacting to Larry going off. But I mean, like Larry was special and I don't think anybody will understand. And it's part of the reason why I hold on to I can't let Steph be the greatest shooter of my lifetime. Thank you. Thank because you. there's there's Larry Bird who told you where I'm going to shoot it from. Larry Bird even went one game and told him I'm just going to shoot with my left hand. That was you know, the, uh, Portland, and then, yeah. the and
0: then even Reggie. Say that again? That was the Portland road trip. That was in Portland.
1: Yeah. yeah. And then even Reggie, I mean, like, can you imagine them letting shoot, Reggie shoot 13 threes instead of, what, the six he got a night? Mm-hmm. Like, It's it's just like, like I think as sports fans, we caught up in the moment um, and we always trying to label the next GOAT, but we don't appreciate the ghost of the past.
0: That right there. That right there sums up everything that I've been saying. You put it in the words and it's, you put it in the words without getting angry because that that infamous game at the Omni. Now, I'm not sure if you're familiar with NBA Open Court. That was always my show. Yeah. I need to go back on, on YouTube and watch it. But Dominique Wilkins was on this episode. Him, Isaiah Thomas, Shaq, Reggie Miller. And he was like, Bird was giving it to him and Mike Fratello was the coach, the czar. Mm -hmm. I mean, he find those players. And Isaiah Thomas was like, Mike Fratello need to find himself because he was giving high fives to players too with a couple of those shots. It was that that much of an ass whooping. But he said, I'm going to hit the last shot from the trainer's lap. And he bet the trainer $5 that he was going to hit it before he hit it. Who does Mm -hmm. that? Larry Joe. Larry Bird I would mean, come into a game and tell the coach, why you got this white boy guarding me? You disrespecting me? And proceed to bust his ass till they switched off on him. hmm Man, the, the dude, they call him Larry Legend for a reason. And I try to get these youngsters to understand. And I'm like, this dude had an awkward shot. But when he shot, it went in. He did things that, oh, well, that's nothing. Yeah, it's nothing to you now, dog. We've been saying this for so you got to see it when he actually did it. You're going crazy. He caught a rebound with the right hand, switched to the left, and laid it up while he was mm-hmm. floating out of
1: bounds. Right. I, I can sit here. No, nah, you, 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 you abs- I mean we can have this conversation. I mean, I'm not a Larry legend, I'm a Larry legend respecter because my guy is always magic. And that's a whole different argument for a whole well, see, different show.
0: Lilla, me and you the same, because I've said it here plenty of times. When growing up, everybody wanted to be Jordan Drexler. When we was out on the court, I was always magic. I always wanted yeah. to be magic. That's Now, granted, I couldn't shoot like bird, but I could dribble like magic. I could find you. My peripheral vision then was good. Now I need glasses because of video games. But <laughs> my peripheral vision I then was you. great. But I, I, I'm, but I'm a Larry Bird
1: fan. I'm a Magic Johnson fan. And that's not possible, bro. You had to pick hey, one. Look, you had look, to. Pick, I mean, that was the commercial. You had to pick either the black or the purple and gold Converse. And yeah, you know what? That's another. You reason. said both.
0: I, yeah, I just give, give yeah. me one to eat. You know, I'll find <laughs> something to go with it. Like, man, I lied to you. Not what was it? It was something that I had. It was something that I had. And I was like, you know what? I, this My Magic Johnson jersey would go real good with this. Okay. And I was like, you know, I'm going to have my Magic Johnson jersey. I want to have it framed. I want to get him to sign it, frame it. And then I want my Larry Bird joint to hang next to it. Well, where you going to put your Jordan jersey? My Jordan jersey is going to be on the same wall. You got to put all three of them on the same wall. Because one thing you can say about Magic and Larry. Magic and Larry saved the NBA. Right, Jordan. Jordan took it global. LeBron made it mobile. I I agree with when David Stern said that. I said that's perfect because that's it.
1: That's when you know, um, I I agree with that to an extent. I also think, and and this is just maybe an old man in me, but I think Mike in certain parts hurt the game because the way he took over basketball games, everybody thought they could take over basketball games the same way. So you had guys shooting 11 for 39 and getting their 22 or 30 points but they didn't have the same efficiency or the same talent as Jordan so like when Jordan left there was this cavern of guys that really weren't um, on his level but were trying to be him and I think the only person that really stood out in that group was A.I. I mean, there was some ballers. don't get me wrong. I mean, you got your Baron Davis, you got your, yeah. Um, God, why did his name just pop out my head, as I was saying? Oh, Franchise, you got all these guys that could ball. But I think there was a gap for a minute where, like, the NBA almost had to recover from losing Jordan. Um, and then that's when the young Kobe Bryant steps into the fold and starts getting his time, and then we go on to the future. Look, that's true indeed. That's true indeed.
0: And have you ever read the book um The Jordan Rules? Oh, of course. Come on, man. Don't... <laughs> look, Come I'm on. asking dumb questions that I already know the answer because look, <laughs> I know, I don't know mess with you, bro. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, most people want most people know the book but they haven't read it. And th- I got it for as a birthday gift um 2 years ago. My wife got it for me for my birthday. And she said, when you going to start reading it? I said, uh, ain't no time better than now. And I read it. But right. I read it, and I was like, you know, for for the greatness that was Jordan, he was a selfish player that didn't trust his teammates in the beginning. But once he started embracing the system, he started trusting his teammates, that's when the Bulls started winning. But so, teams, teams aren't built the way those Bulls teams were, because if you think about it, you got Jordan, you got Pippen. After that, it was a fall-off. You know, mm-hmm. you didn't really have anybody. Teams aren't built. You know, everybody has to have a big three now. And it's no more one-two punches. I mean, one-two punches would get you a championship. A good Look at Shaq and Kobe. That was your one-two punch. And after those two, you had veteran players behind them. But they weren't in the prime or uh, uh, had the ability to ball out like Shaq and Kobe. Now, when they got rid of Eldon Campbell, I thought that was one of the dumbest moves the Lakers ever did. Because Eldon Campbell, when Shaq was getting foul trouble, Elden uh-huh. Campbell came in. Eldon Campbell could could hold. He could hold the scoring load. Uh, and Jesus, I was like,
1: here we go. Come on, man, you got to get a big easy no, love, dog. No, no, you're not no, gonna get a big I easy don't. no love. No. See, see, this is a part of, and I always explain to people this. Um, there's a point where fandom blinds whatever your re- reality is. All right, so you like Eldon Campbell. I couldn't stand Eldon Campbell. Seriously? Like the first two people... Hold on, hold on, hold on. The first two people... I'm t- my, my my boy from Jersey can tell you, when Eldon Campbell and Eddie Jones got traded, I it, I was singing, oh, happy day. I even hit the high note, like the dude in um, <laughs> Sister Act 2. I was good, yo. I, nah, I, I didn't need them. Because... What? What I always saw was Elden Campbell would always get caught up in Carl Malone's stuff. So Carl Malone knew how to work him. So and then Eddie Jones, he'd score 25, like maybe the first two games, and then you wouldn't hear from him. But and then it got funny for me because as I started watching the Knucklehead podcast, like the two guards from that era, they don't have much love for Eddie Jones. And if you Whoa. don't watch the knucklehead, I don't mean to push another podcast while we want a podcast, but no, 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 the knuckleheads could. with Q and like, like you a basketball fan? That's like, I mean, I lo- I like what Matt Barnes and Stephen Jackson do, but I'm biased because Q Rich was my guy in '98. Like, like the only thing I didn't have was a three DePaul jersey back in the day. You know what I'm saying? So that's a whole different conversation about guys that we like that aren't, like, greats. But, nah, seriously, I, I just thought that Eldon Campbell had this weakness about himself. Um, he could he would always allow Carmelo into his head. Um, I thought Eddie Jones would always allow um, Hornacek to get him off his game. And, like, he would play one or two good games, but he was never consistent. And that's why I always understood the Kobe element even though I wasn't feeling Kobe at the moment. And it literally took, and I'm not going to lie, I love Kobe, but Kobe's moment was that Portland series. Like, as the more and more I started watching that series, it was like, oh, I get it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I see... um, You watch 300. I forget the guy's name, but he's in the room with... um, but Maximus and he's telling him how to win Rome and sometimes he said he says in the greatest line ever is like to win Rome you gotta win the mob and like at one moment Kobe just decided like he was gonna win the mob to win Rome and then he did it and was just like that was the oop the shack mm-hmm. and then ever since then LA's always loved him ever since
0: y- you know something I'm gonna start with Eddie Jones Okay. I always thought Eddie Jones was pretty damn good. I thought he had tenacity. He I understand why he got traded out of L.A. I didn't like it, but I understood it. He got traded out of L.A. because Kobe started to come into his own. Now, when Kobe came into the league, most people was like, you know, this little boy can't do this. And, you know, the old heads was dogging him and Garnett. Garnett came out in 95. He came out in 96. I became yeah. fans of them. Because they were only three and four years older than me. Right. So I'm like, you know, I'm a fan because this is somebody. Kobe graduated in 96. That was my freshman year of high school. And I'm like, bruh, we could have went to high school together. Like, that. that we're, we're that close right. in age. And to see you playing the NBA, yeah, I'm all for you. Now, that Portland series, I was working uh, ESPN Zone. Was it ESPN Zone? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was working ESPN zone. And that Portland series, we talked about uh, the lights being cut off and David Stern hitting the switch. You know, we was like, "That, that shouldn't have never happened. You're up by 26, and all of a sudden you go cold. But the Lakers were just that good. And it was at that moment I began to hate the Lakers. I began to hate Shaq. I began to hate Kobe because they were the front runners now. And I pulled for them every year. Against because I didn't want to play Utah anymore. I wanted to play the Lakers because I knew the Lakers were good, but I hated them when they won that series and I hated them for a good four years straight. We appreciate it. <laughs> but once Shaq left, Kobe got Gasol, and they started moving, I was like, All right, I can start loving you again. I guess, well, I could start liking you, but I got to give you the side eye. But when they played the Magic, I was the biggest Laker Kobe fanboy you could ever hear because I hated the magic. I hated the magic worse than I hated the Knicks. Because I can't stand Dwight Howard. I think Dwight Howard's soft. I think he's a crybaby. I think he's a pussy. And I put that on everything. And if he ever hears okay. this, hit the email, sideline junkies247 at gmail.com. We can knuckle up anytime you want. I'm always down to fight.
1: Here go. There's that Brian Mitchell influence. <laughs> Here's that Brian Mitchell influence. We can knuckle up whenever we want. But nah, all right. So you talk about that game. The craziest situation I've ever been in as a basketball fan is the 2002 finals. I mean, the conference finals. I'm in a sports bar. We had champs in Arlington. I swear to God, 95% of the bar. One Sacramento win. Like, and I'm in there talking cash trash to anybody and anybody, Because I know automatically, if it comes down to a last second shot, again, here's where your fandom kicks in. I was like, let them, let Pager take it. My buddy was like, what? Pager wasn't the best. I was like, yo, Pager ain't going to hit it in crunch time. I'm not worried. If it comes down to Pager Stoyakovich hitting a shot late in the game, I know we win. Pager airballs the shot at the, towards the end of the game. And I don't know if that's, like, the last, last opportunity they have because I, I don't remember all the pieces of that because I was getting trash thrown at me and people yelling at me during that game. But, yo, that was, like, that game, I just knew we couldn't lose to them. We weren't going to lose to them. And I knew because we had the dogs. We had Kobe and we had Shaq. Everything else was fundamental.
0: You know what? Those years against Sacramento, I still feel that those were some of the best playoff basketball I've ever seen in my life. And I've seen a lot of playoff basketball. But I wanted Sacramento to win. The reason why I wanted Sacramento to win... Because you're a hater. No. Big Chris Webber fan. (laughs) Huge Chris Webber fan. Huge Chris Webber fan. Like, I'm talking like when when Michigan lost in 93 and he laid on the floor and he cried, I was laying on the floor at 11 years old. I'm talking boot. You would have thought somebody killed my dog. Told me they was going to kill my family. I was on the floor bawling in tears. And my mom, being the ultimate troll, goes to North Carolina that weekend, that following weekend, and brings me back a North Carolina uh, championship t-shirt. Mm-hmm. I said, my mom, and I like everybody it, mom. Said, Everybody say, Man, why are like you so ready? And I tell them that story. My mom brought me a, a North Carolina championship t-shirt. And I looked at it, I said, Man, I ain't wearing this. My grandmother said, Say thank you. Thank you. I was mad. I went and stuffed it in the bottom of the drawer. I was upset. I I mean, but did you, you already talk Super Bowl? Yeah, 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 yeah. I just you know, I just did the matchup. we okay. gonna hold off on the picks until uh Sunday because everybody's looking good, and I want to do uh I want to do um, Super Bowl pick Sunday. So that's coming up. Okay. Uh, but on top of that. Can I, can I ask you a do- question? Sure, 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 sure. All
1: right. So I know and this might be me being your mom bringing you a 93 jersey of the Carolina joint. But um, 106.7 has a new show with J.P. Finley and Brian Mitchell. So mm-hmm. I want to get your thoughts on that show because I know you've always been a 980 guy. Mm-hmm. So like I mean, I know it's you only 2 days in, but how are you liking your time as a person of the fan, 1067 the fan, like between 10 and 2? It's different cuz I mean,
0: I've never known when it comes to sports radio outside of Sirius XM, depending on who's open. Like, mm-hmm. I'll listen to Bully Ray on Busted Open Radio, him and Mark Henry. Um mm-hmm. I'll listen to the NBA channels and everything, but as far as regular radio, I've all, from this is, wow, what was this? 2006, I started listening to 980, like, on a regular. And, mm-hmm. you know, that old lineup where you got Kornheiser from 10 to 12, Shannon Levero from 12 to uh 2, uh, be mentioned, dot or coach from two to four, and then a sports reporter from four to seven. That was my day, and I was in a truck all day. I was at UtiliQuest Market, so my truck stayed on from the time I got to work until right. you know I went home and I didn't go home until seven. When the sports reporters went off at seven, that's when I was like, you know, I'm closing out my day, I'm going home. It's nothing else to listen to now. To go from that to now, I gotta switch stations, I gotta listen to Shein, then I gotta switch. It's new. But this show with J.P. Finlay and B. Mitch, absolutely, positively, about to be my new favorite show. And I, I, I haven't had a favorite show that I had to be on go to in a few months. Like I had to listen to uh, Doc and Goldie. That was my go to. That's something that I had to listen to every day because I had to see what Doc was going to say. Um, before that. If you put Doc and B Mitch together, I had to listen to them two together. Because it was Boy, it's something Doc and the Coach. Yeah, no, of course. Coach Thompson, that was always my go-to. And it was always don't call me between two and four. Because I need my phone free. Because if he say call in, I'm on the
1: line. I had it on speed dial. So I, I was on All the right. line. All right. So we know coach passed last year, and I don't know if you've done this. You may have done a coach tribute. I know you probably did. So yes. do you have a Coach Thompson story outside the ra- if you don't have one outside the radio, go radio. But do you have like a personal story of John Thompson? Mm.
0: Well, every interaction I've ever had, you know, with him was on the radio.
1: All right. So then tell me but, one of your like give me one of your stories on the radio with him then. Oh man. Like I mean, just was- a classic interaction. Like you like, yo, only coach can do this. Cause I got one, and if you want me to, I can go first. <laughs> believe, believe me, you give you Time to
0: think. To think. M- mine is not that great, but it, it was, it was, it, it was just me gushing because how much love I had for him, how much he meant, and I to right. be able to tell him that, you know, why he's here, how much he meant to me as a Did man. His flowers, yeah, right. And I, I, I believe in that. So that that All was right. that was my thing right there. It was just being able to give him that, and then he told me I need to get out more.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's typical John yeah. so m- my JT story is um, my dad and my uncle kind of bracketed John Thompson in his time at um, Our Lady Perpetual up School so they grew up knowing each other in some f- shape or form because I think he had sisters and their sisters may have been in, in class with my dad and my uncle so um, I'm probably in 7th or 8th grade Playing basketball, and my uncle gets our whole basketball team to go up to this camp at John Thompson's at Georgetown. It's we at McDonough. It's like seven in the morning. And I'll never forget, John's talking. And at 7 a.m., some kid like just happens to yawn while he's talking. And John turns to him and like reads him the riot act. And I'm like, this kid is no more than 12. I mean, at best, he's 12. But if you know John, you know that's the norm. You know what I'm Mm -hmm. saying? Like, John is always big on respect. And, like, if you yawn while he's talking, that's disrespectful to him. So, like, that's one of those moments that always stuck to me about him. It's just one of those things where I just know. Like, just imagine if you're a basketball player because – we got there at seven and I know for a fact, like the guys like Jaron Jackson, Mark Tillman and all those guys, they were probably there at five for their morning workout. Mm-hmm. Cause John Thompson and John Cheney were those type of guys. Cause they instilled that, that consistency in that being up early in their guys. So, and I don't think, and I'll say this because I want people to hear it. There will never be two more influential black coaches in college sports than John Thompson and John Chaney.
0: Agreed. I got to agree. I'll say it that way. I I have to agree with you right there. Because I I said it the other night, when you talk John Chaney, you think Temple. And when you think Temple, you thought John Chaney. And I remember my mom and she used to follow Penn State around. Penn State basketball, this is the early 90s. So she drove from here to Florida to follow them around when they was in the NIT, when they went to to uh play temple, things like that. She was there for that. Mm-hmm. And you know, she was like, he just he he full of fire, like he is on TV, just like he is on TV in person. You know, John Cheney is that he was that guy. And mm-hmm. I, I absolutely love that because they never sugarcoated who they were. But right. it's always with, with Coach Thompson, listen to him every day for what was that? I forget what year, when he went off the air in thir- 2013. So listen to him every day for seven years. The, the, the amount of nuggets that I picked up, the amount of, of, of Johnisms, the amount of life advice that was given to me. Right, and so everybody the on the list. Of course, you know, fattening frogs for snakes. Um, I knew he was going to say that.
1: <laughs> of course. I that's I didn't know that was a Johnism. No That's offense. where I got it from. That's where I got. I it never. From. All right. So again, I was always like at that time I couldn't listen to the radio all the time, so I never heard John talk. So I coached basketball with um this dude Daryl Tucker, um, and he we would be in practice. And he would always say it. He was like, "We fatten up frogs for snakes," and I was like, "What?" And I, but it made sense when he said it. So I then one day, I think we were, um, you said it on the show. And I was like, yo, dog, don't you always say, like, i reached out to him. He was like, yeah, I got it from John Thompson. I was like, you know what? It makes sense. Because, like, old dudes always got their sayings. Mm-hmm. Like, like I got a kid right now that calls me um, on a regular basis that I used to coach. And my saying is, basketball is a contact sport. Like, it's just certain things we do as coaches or, you know, coaches do where, like, that's your M.O. Right. And it's amazing when, like, people understand that.
0: And that, that that's how I understood it. And the, the the stories he would tell, especially uh, it was one time. What was Bill Russell in town for? I don't know what Bill Russell was in town for. And it was a slow day. And he told the producer to call Bill Russell. He was like, Go wow. get my phone, call Bill Russell. And he called Bill of Russell. Course they Bill was, of course. And you know, he you want to come on the show? Show, 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 show. So he called, they're talking on the phone. They're on the phone. And they talking, telling him he gotta go break, he gotta go break. He ain't worried about no break. He's talking to Bill Russell. Mm-hmm. Nobody cared, but the ratings soared so high because he was talking to Bill Russell. And I'm I, I take it even a little a little bit deeper. They were talking about um 2K, this is when they did the Michael Jordan challenge and they put all the classic teams on. I think that was 2K11. Yeah, that was 2K11 when the first year they did it. And they were talking about Coach Thompson being on the game. Now, you know, he sat on the board at Nike and everything, but they talked about him being on the game and he was rated really, really low. And I called into the show and I was like, hold on. One thing you're not going to do. You're not going to dog Coach's 2K player because I picked up Coach's 2K player in one of my leagues. And he's my leading rebounder. I had coach averaging eight points and 15 rebounds. Like, all I did was I sent him in the paint. Hey, he couldn't shoot a jumper. But when that rebound came down, it was his. And I was like, let's go. And he was starting to break. And I had good point guards. So, you know, I was like, let's go. And I was like, you got to know how to use them. And I was like, I'll, I'll, I'll show you video of coach getting bullets. <laughs> but most people didn't know he played with the Celtics and had two rings. Right. But I'm like, you know, as I, the, the way he coached the basketball game, I still approach basketball the same way. And, and the game has evolved. I still play the game the same way. And people, the Fantastic Five, that's the guys that I play with. We call ourselves the Fantastic Five because we ran through a whole summer and we only lost three games. We were going to gym at 9 a.m. And well, sometimes we're going at 12. And if we could get four games in, We was on the court for all four games. We was putting everybody else off the court. We never sat down. That's why we were fantastic. But the way that I coached those guys, and they they tell me, oh, that's all you are. You just a coach. I said, yeah, but I'm a coach that can score. And I'm 6'4". And most of those guys are shorter than me. I weigh a little bit more. I'm older. But I was the point guard. And I would would tell them straight up, we're going to work inside out. We go inside, start dominating. Y'all start clocking in, clocking out, dominating. But then once that opened up the outside, shoot the fucking lights out. And that's how that's how I told them to do it, and that's how we won. Because we had mm-hmm. shooters, but we had inside guys. But work inside first, and then let the game for the outside come. Once they start collapsing down, trying to stop that, swing. It wasn't no stall ball. Now, I love Dean Smith to death, but I wasn't running no four corners. I'm whoa, pounding whoa, you whoa. in the middle.
1: You're going credit to the wrong guy. You know, we're Dean from? got that. Got Dean got the four corners from um. God, I can't think of his name as we talking about it. But there's a guy in North Carolina that's a smaller level coach that did the four corners, and that's who Dean got it from. It was a black dude. Really? Um, it's probably one of these black black history facts that will come out in February. But yeah, Dean got that from a black coach. Oh, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to pull that up after we. So so, so 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 that's how Dean's lineage came. Was he got that? Four corners thing from him, and then of course Dean was the person that let John on as an Olympic coach, and Dean and John was one of the first coach black coaches to coach the Olympic team mm-hmm. through Dean Smith. So Dean Smith was like, I think Dean figured it out early, and then he proceeded to make sure he made inroads for you guys, almost like, and we're gonna go back if you don't mind, I'll take it to the Super Bowl but Bruce Arians is one of those guys that he understands if you look at his coaching staff Bruce Arians is all black mm-hmm. like if, if if it's not all black it's like blacks and like a couple other minorities maybe a couple female coaches but um like Bruce gets it he knows that the, the opportunities are limited so i got to put these guys in the spot and let them shine it's also why he allows Byron to call the plays and not him to call the plays because he knows if uh, Nick Sheffalano can get hired in Philadelphia and he can't even speak in his interview, you know what I'm saying, clearly and deliver a message, but he's the next head coach in Philly. Like, what's a Byron Leftwich what you want to do? You know what I'm saying? A H.D. Wilson grad, a Marshall grad, the dude that got his two office alignment of linemen to carry him down the field just so he could finish off a fourth quarter drive. Mm-hmm. Like, like, this is... Like, Arians is doing something special. And I, and I also love what Rivera's doing here in D.C. So we got something special going on. I just hope the league catches up to the coaches that we got or that, that's available to them um, that aren't just 36-year-old white guys with chiseled jawlines and good beards. True indeed. True indeed. Uh, it,
0: it's funny you say that about Arians because Arians, I didn't know – he's actually, I I, I was talking about it uh, Wednesday. He's on the Marty Schottenheimer
1: coaching tree. Yeah. And I was like, damn. Okay. But you know, he was, at that time, he was down the line and like, the only resistance I have um, to the Redskins fan base when it comes to Marty is you didn't, and, and I say this because I listened to the games afterwards. So when the junkies was on, because this was like year two or three of the junkies, like they would do the after game shows. Like you would hear callers calling in complaining about Jimmy Ray. And really, Marty gets fired, not because of who he is, but because he wouldn't take Jimmy Ray, his guy, off the coaching staff.
0: Hmm.
1: Like, like that's what people forget. It's like Redskin fans get comfortable with Romanticizing Marty aftermath. But I remember sitting in my car, you know, my uncle's white Astro van, and the junkies would talk, and people would dog Jimmy Ray for from the beginning of the postgame show till we got in the house. And the one reason Marty never came back was honestly because Snyder wanted somebody besides Jimmy Ray as the offensive coordinator. And Marty and wait, was like, no. You know, also
0: Marty banned uh, Danny's best friend uh, Serato yes. Yes. from the building yes. but then he mm-hmm. said in a in football life well I wanted to separate the coaching and the GM part of it and Marty didn't want to separate it but you made a mistake you made a mistake because once we started rolling now 0 and 5 you know we, it's dismal but then we won 5 straight we mm-hmm. went 8 and 3 8 and 8 mm-hmm. finish all you had to do was keep the continuity. One thing about Marty teams, they play good in the regular season. You're going to get to the playoffs. Now, how far you go in the playoffs, it all depends on who you got. Because now he did get to the AFC Championship game, but he had an aging Montana and an aging uh, Marcus Allen. And I believe they could have came back one more year. They probably would have won a Super Bowl. Because they would have beat – so that was 93. They would have beat San Diego. They would have beat – uh, They would have beat San Diego in 94.
1: No, nah, that's, I'm that's sure. when my man staying my my man staying healthy He's playing QB for San Diego right there. Yeah, no but, sir. Stand no Bl- Stan the man going against staying the man, blood disorder, and all <laughs> he overcame mountains. No, I'm joking. <laughs> but they would have beat Pittsburgh because uh
0: San Diego beat Pittsburgh to get there. So I but I just right. believe that you know it was just it was things that a lot of times with Marty teams, they didn't get beat, they ran out of time. And right. it it sounds cliché, but they just ran out of time. It's certain games they ran out of time. Look at what he did in Cleveland. You know, Bernie Kozar would have been a Hall of Famer if Marty would have continued to coach him. Because Bernie Kozar right, so, was an absolute beast in Cleveland until they ran him out.
1: And so he not bring him you, I don't know if you heard the Ross Tucker interview this week. Um he was on I mean, I know you're new to 106.7 The Fan. Welcome. We, open, we embrace <laughs> you with open arms. Um, but the afternoon drive with Grant and Danny, they talked to, um, I forgot what it Oh, they talking to Ross Tucker. So, Ross Tucker was like, um, here's a point that you will love. He talked about Joe Gibbs being probably one of the greatest coaches of all time because he took three different quarterbacks with three different running backs to the Super Bowl. And then he was like, well, after that, you have to give Marty Schottenheimer some love because Marty Schottenheimer took three or four different teams that when he got there, they were terrible. And then after that, they were perennial playoff teams. His only problem was he couldn't get over the hump. So he lost to Denver on the drive. He lost to Denver on the fumble. He lost to New England on um, Philip Rivers' On the torn ACL, but LaDainian Thomason not playing because he had a knee injury. You know what I'm saying? Like, there are things that got in Marty's way that he couldn't control, but Marty is legitimately a top tier coach in, in this world, but mm-hmm. nobody will recognize it because he doesn't have that Super Bowl hardware next to his thing. And that's it. Ex- and-
0: that's exactly why I say when we're talking greats, you have to take championships. It doesn't matter what sport we're talking, you have to take championships out of the discussion. Because if you want to judge by who's the greatest because of the, the amount of championships, then I need you to say Bill Russell, Bob Cousy, John Havlicek, Jojo White, Casey Jones. Robert Ori. It's names that I can throw in there that have several rings. But but they're not in the GOAT discussion. Why? Because as players, they weren't the greatest of all time, even at the time of their retirement. But most people don't want to believe that. They want to put the ring discussion in when we're talking greats.
1: Well, you know, I think the difference is this world is so built on, we're so busy trying to crown the next goat that we don't even appreciate the goats that we have in front of us. You know, like Tom Brady's doing something that um, we will never, ever see ever again. There's a dude with seven championships or, or being in, was it 33 playoff games? Mm-hmm. So like that's not happening ever again in this world. I don't care how you look at it. You just won't get that longevity. Like look, look how long, music. if you look at poems. Go ahead.
0: Look, look how long George Blander played. He didn't even put up those type of numbers. So that's something we're, we're
1: witnessing witnessing
0: history right now.
1: Mm-hmm. With 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 all the cheating scandals and all, you want to say it's still this dude made it to. I think he spent half a decade. I mean, a decade in the Super Bowl. Yeah, and he won seven. He only lost to Eagles, Giants twice. Yeah, so he's got he's got seven rings or six rings, and lost three. Like I don't care how you slice it up, you know what I'm saying? I don't know what you call the price of tea in China, but the guys are great, and he's probably like all time. I would call him one of the greatest winners. I don't know if I'll ever give him my personal greatest quarterback, but that's because of my system of grading quarterbacks.
0: And Junie just uh, checked in. A lot of people don't know that Marty went to Virginia and coached the UFL. Yep, he did win, he did win the championship yep. when the Virginia destroyed. That's, right, yep. that's, that's absolutely right,
1: Junie. That's absolutely right. You got some beasts in your squad, bro. Hey, man. We got a lineup out here. Dropping diamonds
0: and jewels. <laughs> but we got to get out of here because we are well over, well over. But this conversation right here, that's no, no, no. We're going to put a pin in it. I'm going – this weekend, I'm going to get with you. We're going to pick out a time because I know it's going to be before the Super Bowl. We got to get everything lined up. I think that Sunday will be the return of the boss, BJ, because he want to talk a little NBA. But Midnight Rider, I got to get you on for your Super Bowl pick live and in person. Uh, okay. We got enough room at the table. I want to get everybody together. And we get together and we do this. We get our Super Bowl picks out there and we just we, – we, we just let – let let everything flow, but we need to. We need to get it together so we can do it together and make it just an epic show, just for the Super Bowl. So, uh, all right, I'm down. Appreciate that. Now I can't say we don't do no overtime because we did overtime tonight. But y'all stay tuned. Uh, tomorrow you'll get the Return of the WrestleManiacs. Uh, Sunday we got the Sunday Rise. Thank you for listening to the Freestyle Friday, Junie. Appreciate you for. But chiming in right there, and uh I, that open challenge for live ninety nine three point shootout is open. Let me know when y'all ready. <laughs> I'm charging the controllers now. I I got the game. Reggie Miller taking down anybody you put against him. So I'm just I'm just letting you know. All right, that's it for us. We are out of here.